Welcome to the Sovereignty Sessions, where we explore topics such as personal authority, autonomy, and spirituality. I am your host, Cameron, the Redbird Who Sings. I am a farmer, medicine maker, and advocate for personal power. To follow my work, purchase my herbal preparations, or work one-on-one with me, visit redbirdmedicinals.com. CO friends, welcome back to another episode of the Sovereignty Sessions. Tonight I am feeling grateful to be alive, grateful for the strong winds that blow, that knocked our power out last night, and allowed my family and I to spend the evening cuddling in the candlelight. It was so much fun. And today the power is back on just like magic. And so I'm also grateful for the modern amenities that we are all blessed with and all that it takes to get them to us. I've been thinking a lot lately about polarity, and I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time. Um, I've, I've just been thinking about this all year long, really diving deep into polarity and and from a spiritual perspective and one of the things that I do is I really have to understand something really deeply before I can move on to the next thing. And so as I'm moving on to unity consciousness, I really need to understand the dual nature of existence in this world that we currently occupy. And I thought about, and just really talk about it in the practical sense right now of what polarity looks like in the world that we currently inhabit and in the um, political climate, the social climate um, that we're that we're currently living through, and my hope that is that for you, if um, this resonates with you, that this is can be helpful to you in helping you to get to the next level that you're moving to, the next you that you're becoming. Hopefully, that's a more truer version of yourself. That would be my greatest hope for everyone: is that we can be more fully ourselves, a more pure version of ourselves. And I don't mean purity in this kind of whitewashed, you know, must be clean kind of way, but I mean it more in the sense of just a pure resonance of whatever tone that you vibrate at, whatever song that you're singing, may it ring true and clear and uniquely you. So I got interested, I mean, I've always been interested in polarity and how this dual nature of life, it seems, and I really got into it this year because of the political climate, honestly, and just really from this perspective of not being a person who fits into either class A or class B of the political parties, and really when I, you know, I used to be very much into politics and very much into what I believed was the right way to be at that time. And, you know, definitely in a specific mindset. And I just have moved out of that. I've moved beyond that. And my desire is to walk the middle path so that I can see everything from a clearer perspective and not jump from one side to the other. And so this year was a a perfect year for me to examine that because, you know, with everything going on, and the politics surrounding it, it just the 
the political, the socio-political climate just became really hot. And um, I'm stirring my my tea right now. Um, became really hot and kind of in the forefront of, you know, everybody's minds as we kind of tuned in to the elected leaders of the this nation and the nations around the world to um, seek guidance or just to see like what the heck is going to happen. <laughs> um, and so because I had already stepped out of this idea of I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican mindset, you know, um, I was able to spend this year really examining everything from all sides and looking at things from a neutral viewpoint and coming to my own conclusions and making up my own mind, which is always my goal. And that's a really important piece of sovereignty is being able to decide for yourself. And with so much perception management in the world from the way that our search engines provide information to us to the way the media provides information to us, um, and so on and so forth, it's easy to think that you're making an unbiased or a neutral decision when in fact we are being controlled at every turn. So it was a fun experiment for me because I'm not really in the world of social media or um, the news. I don't watch the news or anything like that. So I was able to just get a, a different perspective on on this whole thing and really look at it from a spiritual perspective and the and from a view of of polarity and what was what's happening from a greater sense um, from a spiritual perspective and so how polarity shows up in our life obviously the democrat republican thing there's one side or the other you have to be on one side or the other but it also shows up in good versus evil in um, dark versus light in the spiritual community you know, it's any any form of othering that we do. And there are some movements happening right now that are alternative media movements of people, you know, claiming to be awake and claiming to be truth seekers and all these things. And, the, and those very may, may well be true. They might be truth seekers. I'm not here to deny that. But that was obviously where I went because I was looking for a different a different perspective on what was happening. So I went to these sources that were supposedly truth-seeking sources, neutral sources, etc. And I just found more of the same there. And what I see over and over in the spiritual community and what has been highlighted this year is even in movements like QAnon or people who are into conspiracies. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I can get go down the rabbit hole. I'm totally into researching conspiracies. I can, I can definitely get down on that. I'm a very, um, I get fascinated, you know, easily. And, um, so those are fun rabbit holes to go down. But what I started noticing is the content that was coming out from these alternative media sources that were proclaiming to be spiritual and proclaiming to be all for one, where we go, one, we go all, is that it was just really more of the same. It was just packaged a little bit differently, and it was a little less volatile, that's for sure. Um, These sources aren't people who are outwardly hateful, but they are people who are very fearful. And so 
as far as polarity is concerned, if we all come from one source, which every religion agrees on this one thing, every spiritual tradition agrees on this one thing, that we all come from the same place, the same source. Now, in the spiritual community now, where people are talking about aliens and all these things, it's that all becomes a way to kind of give up your power and be in victimhood. Every religion and spiritual tradition, tradition agrees that we come from the same source. And from the oldest texts we can find, the oldest teachings we can find, we all come from one source. And that's how the actual law of polarity works, is that it states that we came from an ultimate source, but in order to manifest in the physical world upon this earth, that one source had to be split into two. This is male-female, um, divine masculine, divine feminine. This is the two. And then these two join back in to become one. And the ultimate goal of unity consciousness is that we merge within ourselves into divine union. This is yoga, divine union with the self, with God, and go back to being the one. And that's how we transcend out of Maya or the darkness, the delusional state, the ignorance that we live in on this planet. Now, it's worth mentioning that in these same spiritual texts, when it talks about Maya or the delusion, the ignorance, it also speaks about time cycles. And that there are these natural time cycles that happen on earth and have always happened on earth. And they last about 24,000 years. And right now we would be in um, Hindu philosophy, we would be in the Dwapara uh, Yuga. And um, a lot of people think that we're in the Kali Yuga, but that's actually based on a wrong count. So that's not accurate. We're actually in the Dwapara Yuga. And this is a point of ascension, actually. So we're ascending. And then once we get to the, there's the Treta Yuga and the Satya Yuga. And once we get to the Satya, then we start descending back down. And each section lasts 12,000 years and a full cycle is 24,000 years. So these have been going on for eons and eons and eons. We are in a cycle. And if you just look from a smaller perspective, if you're somebody who reads history, you know that from reading history, you can tell that history repeats itself. History is repeating itself right now. Um, and it is always repeating itself because we are in a cycle. We humans repeat the same patterns as we are reborn onto this earth. We repeat the same patterns to learn what we need to learn so that we can um, ascend out of Maya or step out of Maya, the wheel of um, the cycle of the of the earth and, and the 24,000 years. Ultimately, it's said that there are that the that a planet la lives about, I think that the number was 300 trillion years, but there might be another set of zeros there. I, I can't quite remember right now, but um, it lasts quite a long time. And the only way that an, a planet will die is from these teachings, this is what it says, the only way a planet will die is if all humans become all good or they become all bad. So this breaks us out of polarity. So you have to have darkness and light. You have to have good and bad. You have to have this polarity in order to exist on this earth and to go through these cycles. Now, to get out of this cycle, this 24,000 year cycle, which is what every 
Eastern spiritual tradition teaches and Native American traditions. There's, you know, it's it's pretty much in most religions. There's some form of this, though the Eastern traditions are really specific and give detailed instructions, which is why I really like them. But how you get out of this cycle is that you come into unity consciousness and you literally, when you realize that we are all one, that everything comes from one source, you step out of it. So this is a different different viewpoint than where we're at now in the world where people want, they say, oh, we're all one, we're all in this together, and we all have to get vaccinated, or we all have to see the world from this one view, or we all have to um, do things this way, you know, ride our white bicycles and take our vaccine every morning and eat the same food and sit around the table with our assigned families and our genderless selves and all of this stuff. That's not actually what it means. You, that's not unity consciousness. That's actually a inverse of unity consciousness. It's been completely flipped and made wrong. Unity consciousness is acknowledging that we all come from the same source that everything is perfect as it is for us to learn and to grow and to become the next thing that we're becoming and that we're all in this together in that way. And so you are a perfect expression of God as you are. There's nothing you need to do to change that. I am a perfect expression as I am of God and there's nothing I need to do to change that other than live out my life fully and completely knowing and trusting that everything is perfect for me to be divinely guided and grow and change and become instead of getting stuck in um, a concrete mindset. So that's actually the truth of unity consciousness. Now, back to the time cycles and polarity, we're going through this time cycle. It's going to continue going on. If you think that things are going to get better or if you think that they're going to get worse, that's all good and well, but it doesn't really matter. In the grand scheme of things, from a larger perspective, it doesn't actually matter because we are souls here on this earth in human bodies. And it might matter to our human form and we get all caught up in the story, but our souls don't care because our souls are on a completely separate mission. And with polarity, we get into the story, we get stuck in the story. And we start to believe that we are our identities, or that we are our opinions, or that we are our skin color, or the clothes that we wear, or any of the stuff, we start to get caught up in the story. And the story just actually serves to cause more delusion, more ignorance and draw us apart from each other. And this I have seen this happen because, you know, I've said before on the show that I am a reformed social justice warrior. Um, I've seen this happen in social justice circles where people are really trying, saying that they're trying to understand someone who's completely different from them, but actually what they're doing is trying to acquire more fuel for the fire of their own beliefs and trying to um, acquire more fuel to make the other person the other and to make them wrong. And right now this is happening in the world where, you know, people are, it's really interesting. People in other countries are really dogging on Americans because, you know, Americans by and large, a lot of Americans won't wear masks or they won't adhere to lockdown or, you know, all this stuff. And they're like, you're bad. Da, 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 da. Well, it doesn't really matter what we're doing here 
versus what's, you know, why does Australia care about what's happening in the United States? I mean, there are reasons why they care, but there's not really any kind of direct reason why they need to care other than everybody's bought into this whole idea that we can just shame each other, shame everybody in the society to do, be, say, act in the specific way that adheres to our agenda, which is that we believe the world should be a certain way. And we believe that everybody should comply with that. And from a soul perspective, that's not actually true. And that's really more um, oppression of, you know, it's oppression of a soul. So it's a spiritual oppression. It's even bigger than just our earthly identities. And so when we go into a situation and we're trying to make the other person, well, first of all, when you say that the other person that right there is putting a a wall between you and God, like that other person is God, just like you are God. And so you're putting a wall up and you're disconnecting yourself from another piece of the body of God. So when you come at it from that perspective, you're already, you know, believing that someone else is other, you're already building up a wall. And then when you come at it from, you know, a perspective of this is my identity class and these are the people that I identify with and everybody over there on that side of the class is wrong and they're evil, they're racist, they're hateful, yada, 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 then you've gone a step further, you know, and I'll be honest, the things that I see coming from liberals these days are pretty atrocious. I mean, some of the liberals that I come across are the most hateful people that I've ever met in my life, which is really interesting because I grew up in a super conservative Republican area. And I always thought that the people that I was around were really hateful and rude. And now the liberals make the Republicans look completely, you know, completely benign and harmless. And so it's a really interesting thing whenever we other somebody else, we actually become that thing that we hate, right? We become the thing that we dislike. And in ourselves, we create a monster. And that monster is a monster of judgment. That monster is a monster of separation. That monster is a monster of I'm right, you're wrong. So we just begin to right fight. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're each here to fulfill our divine purpose. We're each here to live the breath of God that we are intended to live. And so you cannot tell someone else how that should go. You cannot tell somebody else how they need to live their life. And nobody is responsible for your health. Nobody is responsible for your life except for you. We each have to take responsibility for ourselves, for our, for our health, for our lives, for our happiness. And we can't rely on a system to do that. It's obvious that we can't do that at this point. I mean, the system is massively failing everybody. We cannot rely on other people to make us happy. We cannot rely on other people to adhere to our values. If somebody is not valuing you, if somebody is not respecting your boundaries, that's not a problem with the other person. That's a problem with you. You aren't respecting your own boundaries. You aren't respecting your own values. Because I can tell you this for myself, if I walk into a room and somebody disrespects me, I'm not going to stay in that room. I'm going to leave the room right? I'm not going to stay there and continue to let somebody disrespect me. If I need to leave a situation to not be respected, or to not be disrespected, then I'm going to do that. Now, I might also say to that person, 
that was really disrespectful. Don't speak to me that way again, or don't treat me that way again. And maybe that person just didn't know. And that's all they needed was a course correction. And so I've given that that correction. But that I don't have to come off as rude. I don't have to be mean to them. I don't have to be angry with them. I just have to state matter of factly that this is the way I'm going to be treated. Or even better is if you embody that, then there's just no question about it. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of meeting a um, an elder woman who is fully in her power and seeing her walk into a space and paths clear in front of her and people pull out chairs for her and the men offer to take their her coat for her and you know everybody's doing things for her because they revere her they respect her they know that this is a wise woman and so you know when when people are talking and she comes in they stop talking and they listen to what she has to say in Cherokee culture, we have um, what's called the beloved woman. And traditionally, when we had meetings in our um, lodges, um, the men would sit around the fire at the center of the fire, and the women would sit to the back and the beloved woman would be back there in the back. And a lot of people um, who don't know about Native traditions assume that this is because the women were less valued, so they have to sit in the back. That's not actually how it worked. But the men, the leaders um, of the tribe would be in the center and they would be talking. And before a decision would be made, they would defer to the beloved woman. Now, the beloved woman was somebody, was a woman who was accepted or everybody agreed that she was the wisest um, elder woman. And so she was deferred to for the final say. And so she would give her and not that she would be the sole decision maker, but they would defer to her to make sure that there was nothing that they missed. They wanted to get her perspective as the wisest woman of the tribe. They wanted to get her perspective of the divine mother, you know, the perspective of the divine mother, the perspective of the elder wise woman, the crone. They wanted her perspective to tack on to what they've already come to with them within their own minds. And ultimately, a lot of times it would completely shift the way that that everything was done. Other times it's just tacking on something that needed to be added to that conversation, right? The beloved women were also in charge of um, keeping the um, captives, like whether they were going to keep the captives from other tribes or from other people's whether they were going to keep them as slaves or whether they were going to kill them or whether they were just going to adopt them into the tribe as clan members. Um, so the beloved woman had a revered position and though she wasn't the center of attention all of the time, they never, the decision was never made for the whole tribe without deferring to the wisdom of the beloved woman. And so this is a great way to step outside of polarity. In the specific case of the the Cherokee people, um, who are my tribe, um, there was a, a peace chief and a war chief. So there was there's the polarity, and then the third force, the divine mother, was the beloved woman. So that's a way for them to step out of polarity to get that third force perspective. All right. So this helps to step more into unity consciousness and to make sure that you're that you're checking yourself right? So we can do this in our own lives. We can, um, one way to do this is to get a broader perspective. If you're a person who's into media, find other media outlets, 
read, don't just, you know, go to CNN, don't just go to Fox News, go off the charts, you know, go out there, listen to what other people have to say, not from a perspective of shoring up what you already believe or knocking down what someone else believes, but from a perspective of really being objective and saying, what does this person have to offer? Let me get a whole picture of how this is all playing out. What are all the pieces that fit together and come from a neutral mind? And this is the only way to move forward to unity consciousness. Our world will never get better. This this cycle that we're, these cycles we're living in will always continue as long as we can see into the future for eons and eons. It's if it's not about race, it's going to be about something else. If it's not about Democrat Republican, it's going to be about something else. We're always going to live out these cycles of madness or darkness, the Maya. We're always going to live these cycles out until each one of us individually steps out of Maya. And we do that by realizing our own God nature, by communicating with God nature in ourselves. Now, I can say for myself, where I'm going is beyond. My, I, I don't want to keep reliving these cycles. So for myself, I'm going to become the next best thing. That's where I'm going onward and upward. <laughs> I'm not going to stay stuck in the delusion any longer than I have to be. I might have to live to be 120 years old, <laughs> or maybe 280 to even get out of that. But that's what my goal is what I want to get out of because I'm done with the cycles. What I'm really done with is the othering. I'm done with othering other people. As long as I've been on this earth, you know, there's always been this seed of othering living within me. And I'm not going to water that seed anymore, because I don't want it to grow anymore. So, you know, and, and also, as long as I've been on this earth, I've spent, maybe not as long, but for a majority of my life, I've spent it really in suffering and being in deep unease or unhappiness. And I'm just not willing to live that way anymore. So, you know, as I uh, creep ever closer to being in my 40th year, I just want to live in joy every moment that I can. And so I'm really at this point for the first time in my life willing to give it all up, to hand it all over and say, I'm not going to water the seed anymore. I'm going to plant new seeds that maybe nobody else has thought of or that, you know, there's no template for this seed, but the template, you know, it's, it's a God seed. So it's in there, it will grow to be something completely different. That's not something I'm seeing out in front of me in the um, human world. So that's what my desire is, is to move beyond that. And, you know, I can only do that by reminding myself each moment of each day that we all come from one place that, you know, my mom, when I was growing up, used to tell me, there's no difference between me and anybody else that we all bleed red. And that is a really lovely bit of wisdom that helps me to remember that we are all coming from the same place. We are all created through love by the, cre by the force of love. We are all divine. We are all, as they say, God's children. And so that's what I want to remind myself of every single day is that God is love. We are all created by God and we are all from this one singular source. Now, there's also, it's hard to talk about God in a way that 
a lot of people understand because, you know, most people's experience of God is from a religious perspective. So I'll just clarify that my, um, you know, and I want to change how people react to this word of saying God, where they don't just say, oh, that's a crazy Christian lady. She's going to come and try to convert me. That's not it at all. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a religious person at all, but I want to start using this word God more because I feel like it's, you know, another word we need to reclaim just like the word woman, just like the word love, like we need to reclaim these words and really use them in the way that they are intended to be used. So for me, my definition of God is the great creator, the force, the breath that moves through all things. So if you think about the breath, every breath that we breathe, every everybody else in the world is breathing it too at the same time, as well as the trees are breathing it as well as the squirrels, the frogs, everything that exists in this world is breathing the same breath. And this is what I am referring to as God. This is the breath of life. And so, you know, that was one thing that came up when all of the stuff happened this year in 2020 with, you know, the the viral thing happening is, you know, a woman said, aren't you, said to me, aren't you worried that you're going to that you might be a carrier and that you might get other people sick. And I said, well, I'm not any more afraid of that, of a virus than I am afraid of my own self because it's in us. There's no way, no mask, no air filtration system, nothing is going to stop it, any contaminant from getting to you. If you, However you want to word that, a virus, a contaminant, a pathogen, a toxin, whatever words people use. Nothing is going to keep that from getting to you because we all breathe the same breath. And it doesn't matter if your air goes through a filtration system. It's still oxygen unless you're breathing something else, but it's still oxygen. It's still been, you know, there's no like scrubbing the air or cleaning it. And it goes the same thing with, I see a lot of this um, with people in the, and talking about toxins. I don't, at this point in my life, I don't believe in toxins because I don't believe that anything that is on this earth is is harmful to us because my frequency, I just keep my frequency up and vibrate in health and love and vibrate in a God frequency. And I know that ultimately I will be in harmony with everything because God is harmony. God is harmony. So all I have to do is vibrate to that. Same thing when people talk about 5G. I was really freaked out about 5G in the beginning. I was just, you know, I was totally in victim consciousness. Like this, this is coming to get us, da, 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 all that stuff. I went down those rabbit holes. And what I've come to realize is that there is nothing I or you or anybody can do to stop 5G. There is nothing we can do to stop cars from driving down the road and using oil and blowing black smoke into the air. There's nothing that we can do about that. We really can't. And even when we do things like through regulation and shift and change things, it doesn't actually change anything. All right. This stuff is here to stay and it's only going to be something else but built on the back of this technology that is going to come forward. That's how that's how this world works. We just build on the thing and we're not going to wipe the slate clean and start over like that's just not going to happen on a societal level and so I just determined in the beginning like if if 5g is going to come here then I'm not going to be a victim to it and I'm going to be more strong I'm going to become more powerful and that's how you have to get you have to get in that place of being more powerful and you do that by changing your frequency that you're vibrating at you raise your vibration And the highest vibration you can resonate at is 
the vibration of God, and that is love. So when you keep yourself up there in that God frequency, in the love frequency, then you are literally untouchable. You're literally untouchable because God is harmony. God is harmony. And so, you know, it's inconvenient for people to think that we shouldn't worry about 5G. It's inconvenient for people to think that we shouldn't worry about pollution. It's inconvenient to th- for people to think that we shouldn't worry about the injustices and the social structures of the world. It's inconvenient because we're all stuck in victim consciousness. But once you step out of being a victim and you take 100% responsibility for your life, 100%, when you take 100% responsibility for your life, you begin to see the world in a completely different way. So for me, I'm all about sovereignty. I'm all about taking responsibility for my life. There are so many things I can't change about the world. So many things I can't change. And every time I focus on those things, it makes me feel like a victim. It makes me feel victimized and it doesn't feel powerful. But when I focus on cultivating my own inner power, becoming a stronger human, becoming a smarter human, becoming a more spiritual human, becoming a more physically capable human. When I focus on those things, that makes me feel powerful. And so that's where I spend my energy. We have to focus on what we want to cultivate and not on the things that will keep us stuck in victim mindset. And that's the only way out of victim mindset is to focus on what you want instead of what you don't want or what's happening to you. And it's really important too to remember that life is not happening to you. It is happening for you. And you keep your eye on the goal of where you want to go. And then all the stuff in the along the way, that's just the story. That's just the drama of life unfolding. But it's all happening for you so that you can become the next thing that you are becoming so that you can have the life that you want to have. But if you don't keep your eye focused on the goal, on the prize, on the will, the thing that you want, the way that you want to be, if you don't focus on that, then you're going to be lost. You're going to get lost. And I'm a, I'm a testament to this. I was just speaking to my teacher about this. You know, my, my partner and I, this is the perfect story of our, of our relationship. In the very beginning of our relationship, um, we decided we were, I I decided (laughs) that we were going to ride our bicycles across the country and we were going to go from Oklahoma to Oregon and by way of Arizona. And so we started out and I mean, I was loving it the first day. And then the second day, I wasn't loving it so much. And then, you know, the first day, my partner was hating it. The second day, it was a little bit less bad for him. We kind of met in the middle there, you know. And then by the third day, I was just hating it. You know, I was hating it. And he was so into it. He was like, yeah, this is great. I love pushing my body. I love doing all this stuff. And here's me throwing my helmet down. This sucks. This seat's uncomfortable. I hate this. You know, I would just, it was miserable. I hated it. Why do we have to, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. Why do I need to prove to myself that I can ride 65, 75 miles a day? Why do I need to prove that, you know? And he was like, yeah, we just rode 65 miles today. Yeah, let's do 75 tomorrow, you know? So it was a completely different perspective. But along the way, I was getting stuck in the story. And so I wasn't, I didn't ever really have a clear goal. We were going to go to Oregon, but I never really committed to that. I was like, I'm just going to ride my bike, right? I never really committed to the end goal. He had committed to the end goal of getting to Oregon. And so 
I had not. <laughs> and I just got lost in the story. I couldn't remember. I couldn't see the end. I couldn't see the will where my will was taking me. I couldn't see that. All I could see was the story that I was stuck in. And it was a story of misery and suffering. And my body was hurting and my mind was tired. And I was angry. And this helmet was uncomfortable. And the bike seat sucked. And, you know, so many things. And I was so hungry. And I was losing so much weight. I was just focusing on all of this. And he was just becoming more and more powerful. And so this was this is a, a just a typical of our relationship. This has happened several times in our relationship where he has to tell me just 10 more miles. All we got to go is just 10 more miles. We're going to get to that goal. Remember where we're going. He's always reminding me, remember where we're going. And you know when we when we bought this farm and we were working really hard to raise the money to 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 get this farm and to buy this land cuz we were living on less than $6,000 a year for, you know, all of our relationship, my whole life, really, my adult life. And so we had to come up with this money to buy this land and to buy this house and all this stuff. And um, so he just kept reminding me along the way, just 10 more miles, we just got to go that 10 more miles. And he could see something that I couldn't see. His will was there and his will was strong. And my will was had given up my will was weak, because I was stuck in the Maya, I was stuck in the delusion. And this is where we as humans go all the time. It's not just me. We're all going there all the time. And we have to really use our will to focus on the end. So where do you want to go? How do you want to be when you get there? It's not just about how much money you have. It's about how do you want to feel when you get there? What do you want to look like when somebody's looking at your life from the outside? What do you want it to look like? How do you want to be when you're in that? This is a really important lesson that my teacher taught me only rather recently is how do you want to feel when you're living that life? When we're in polarity consciousness, when we are othering the other, when we're in this mindset that I'm right and you're wrong or that there's one way to be, we can, we can be assured that we are off track. So the way that I've been taught from my elders is that when you come up against somebody and they have a belief system that doesn't align with your belief system, something that is different from the way you were taught, that you don't try to argue your point with them, you don't try to convince them otherwise, you don't think of them as being wrong, you don't think of them as being off track or misguided, you just tell yourself to walk away. Because it's not your right to impose your will or your belief system on another person. It's not any of our right. It's not my right to do that to you. And I know we all get stuck on, stuck in it. And this is something that is, honestly, it seems so simple, but it's one of the most challenging spiritual lessons that I've ever had to grapple with because, you know, I have an ego too. I always want to believe that I'm right, that my way is the right way. And it's really hard to step outside of that when you forget that you're God and that, that, that you're a creation of God just as they are God. They are the creation of God. The, they, can be, they can't be wrong. There is no being wrong. And even if their perception is off, even if they're not seeing the truth, it doesn't matter. That's not your business. <laughs> so, you know, mind your own business. This is something my teacher says to me all the time. Mind your own business because their path is not about you. From a soul level, it's not about you. On an individual level, you can get caught up with how somebody else's life affects your life. 
but it doesn't. From a soul perspective, it doesn't. So that's not, that's another trap of this false idea of unity consciousness, thinking that someone else's life impacts your life in that way. Maybe in a human form, but from a soul perspective, we're all doing this thing on our own. And so, and we all get out of it on our own. You can help people, you can plant seeds into the receptive ground, but you cannot force a seed into hard soil. So if that other person is hard to your perspective or hard to your teachings, then you just have to walk away and let it be. There's nothing that you can do to keep them from their own path. There's nothing that you can do to save them. There's nothing that you can do to save the world. Um, the, The world doesn't need you to save it. The world needs you to save yourself. And I know that that gets, you know, that kind of talk can get a bad rap with a lot of people in the spiritual community saying, oh, but that's selfishness, that's selfishness. No, it's only selfishness if you have forgotten that you and I are both from the same source. It is not selfishness because we all come from the one single point source light. And so if we all come from that same source, by saving myself from a sinking ship, I'm saving the whole ship. And so that's what we have to realize is that by doing for ourselves, we are doing for others. And there are a lot of ways that we can look at this, look at at people's actions as being selfish. I'm not talking about doing this from a hateful perspective of, oh, well, like, you know, fuck you, you're on your own, like, you can go starve and die. You know, when you come from a place of love and joy, when you love and care for yourself, you overflow. Once your cup is full, you overflow with love and joy. There was a time in my life, all through my 20s and into my early 30s, where so many people were so generous to me. And it may have looked like I was being selfish because all I was doing was taking, 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 and I had nothing to give. But It was because I was so depleted. My cup was so empty that I had nothing to give. But when we can even accept that of other people, that they just don't have anything to give, because if they had something to give, then they would be giving. That is our natural state is giving. Our natural state as humans is loving, caring, kind, giving people. But when we are empty, we don't have anything to give. So at those time at that time in my life i had nothing to give and i'm so grateful that i had people around me who helped me and who never asked anything of me and who didn't hold resentments or um judgment against me and then once i got to a place where i could be of service where i had something to offer where i had money or where i had time or energy or anything to offer i would i did that and i did that not because they asked me to but because i wanted to because it was welling up my cup was so full it was welling up out of me so you know this we can talk about this how you know humans are are they mostly good or are they mostly evil well, i know without a doubt that humans are good we are good at our core, our souls are good. And we come in here and we use our powers for good or for evil, whatever, but we all are playing out our role in the great play of life. And we're going to play out that role until we're tired of that role. And then we're going to choose another role. That is a role that is more fitting for who we are, for who our soul is, and for the work that we're intended to do in this world. So, you know, Shakespeare said it best, all of life is a stage. And that really is true. We play out our own karmas, our own 
the seeds that were planted within us through past lives or through our family inheritance, our bloodline memories, the way that we were raised, we play out this these seeds, we let them grow until we get to a point where we kind of wake up and say, whoa, I don't want to play that game anymore. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of being a victim. I'm tired of not being responsible for my own life. So then that is the first step to sovereignty. That is the first step to self-empowerment. I'm going to choose something different. And then you got to figure it out what you're going to choose, right? You got to look around and say, I, maybe you don't see anything that's like what you want to have. A lot of people get caught up in the material because there's so many things. You see somebody with lots of material things, lots of money, and you say, well, that looks great. For me, that was never the case. I don't want a Fendi bag. <laughs> I don't want a Ferrari. I don't want any of that stuff. But when I sat down and I wrote, what would I do with all the money in the world? What would I do? I would read spiritual texts all day. <laughs> I'd have a white stallion that I would ride and I would wear a buffalo skin robe and I would be carrying bags of gold and I would live in a hut in the woods with my bags of gold surrounding me. I would eat good food. I would have wonderful friends. I would play music all day. I would sit outside by my pond. I would play with my animals. That's what I would do with all the money in the world. That's what I would do. So wealth to you and wealth to me might look different. So you got to figure out what you want. And you might start by looking outside of you, but you got to really look inside of you. If you just start there, it'll save you a lot of time. Trust me. Just make a list. What do you want? How do you want to be? That's about the tail end of what I wanted to share with you tonight. I really just want to encourage everyone to remember that we all come from the same source, that we are all God. We are the body of God that we are creators of this world, every aspect of it. Everything that we see in front of us has come from the mind of man or woman, <laughs> humanity. So knowing that, we can take full responsibility for the world that we want to see moving forward. And you can't do that for anybody but yourself. You can't do that for everybody else. You got to just do it for yourself. And maybe if you're lucky, your work will touch the lives of other people and impact others' lives for the better. But you will never know what's the best thing or the right thing for someone else. So you got to do for yourself and you got to see what is the thing that's going to make you feel the way you want to feel. I'm sure that you don't want to feel miserable and unhappy and angry. I'm sure that you want to feel love, kindness, joy, abundance all around you all the time. So what do you got to do to get there? How do you vibrate that frequency? Who do you surround yourself with? What kind of music do you listen to? Music is really powerful. What kind of images do you put in front of your face? Pay attention to all these things because all of these things matter. This is holistic health, holistic health, the whole body, the whole mind, the whole spirit, everything that you have in your vision, in your sound, in your taste, in your touch, all of these senses are really key to having the life that you want and to living in a world that you want. So you got to figure out how you're going to touch what you want to touch, how you're going to taste what you want to taste, how you're going to hear what you want to hear, see what you want to see and feel what you want to feel. And once you figure out that, you're well on your way to mastering your destiny. Thank you.